You are listening to Two Quiet Girls Talking. My name is Kristen, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Jenny. Hi, y'all. If this is your first time listening to Two Quiet Girls Talking, this is a show where Jenny and I discuss a variety of topics and issues from a libertarian objectivist perspective. Um, this podcast is our way for these two quiet girls to get loud on issues and topics that are typically controversial and not talked about much in the mainstream. To keep up with everything that we're doing, you can download and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. If you do that, make sure to leave us a five-star review, and that makes it easier for others to find us as well. You can also like and follow us on Facebook and share us with your friends. We're also on Blog Talk Radio, CastBox, and Stitcher. Right. Our topic today is feminism. Um, And we have some uh, interesting topics to discuss today regarding feminism. Um, We want to deep dive into the history of feminism, talk about where we are today with feminism, whether it's necessary today for there to be be feminism and the individualistic versus the socialistic view of feminism and which one might be the uh, better point of view from a objectivist standpoint. Um, Jenny, do you have anything to add before we get started today? Uh, nope. Right. A spoiler alert, we could say. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, it's not necessary today. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to adjust. So there's just no reason to listen right. to the rest of the episode. It is not necessary. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need, right? You just need me to answer the question, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's all. That's all. We're good. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So the rest of this is just for fun. All right. Perfect. Well, okay, to start with, Jenny, um, we talked about, you know, our backgrounds, where we come from as far as feminism is concerned, because mm-hmm. it's one of those topics where if you're a woman, you're almost automatically um, expected to be a feminist, and if you're not, then it's, you're kind of look like, like you're the enemy. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your history as a woman with feminism and how it brought you to where you are today. And I'm assuming that by now our listeners realize that you and I both don't identify as feminists. <laughs> if you haven't realized so. that at this point, we don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, let's see. Uh, well, first of all, I'm mostly a stay-at-home mom. So that right off the bat makes me unacceptable to most feminists. But, um, yes, exactly. Uh <laughs> Yep, I'm capitulating to the patriarchy by staying at home, mostly, to raise my son. <clears throat> oh, there's another guy oh, I'm serving. More patriarchy. Yeah, so, you know, I've got a husband, I've got a son. Um, that's just far too many men that I allow to control my life. <laughs> Definitely. But, Definitely. Yeah, I've, I've never really been... Um, I've never really bought into feminism. I've been thinking about this topic a little bit um, since we decided to do the podcast on this subject. And I remember taking a uh, a women's studies class in college. And I just, I needed it for some 
type of elective or something like that. And the professor was uh, the the professor. When I look back now, I can see she was a pretty hardcore radical feminist. Um, At the Mm. time, I did not know all that much about it. Um, But I specifically remember one incident when she was speaking about uh, the discrepancies in the amount of housework that men and women do. And, um, and she was very, she was very virulent, um, about it being a result of sexism, of course, right? And I, I raised my hand because I, I had taken this professor before and I liked her in a different class. Um, so I raised my hand and I was like, well, what about the differences between, um, you know, the different roles that women, men and women choose, you know, women are more likely to be at home, right? They're more likely to stay at home with their kids. So maybe that's why they do more uh, cleaning. And then I, then I also brought up something. I had read recently some biological fact that women, um, women's eyesight is more detail oriented, whereas men, um, their eyesight is more broad. And that, this was mm. years and years ago. So I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I said, Hey, what about biological difference in eyesight even? you know, uh, small things might bother women more. And she just completely rejected, nope, that's not why it is, can't even consider that possibility that it might be something totally innocent and non-oppressive. She kind of jumped at me, and I didn't really speak up much in her class from then on. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, yeah, I I would say that's probably Mm. my first uh, encounter with that. And, I don't know. It, it never really took with me, and I would say a big part of that is because there's a lot of men in my life that I really love and respect. Um, mm-hmm. and have never been in the least sexist to me, and in fact, enabled me to live a a great life. Um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I've got I've got a dad and brothers and uncles and many many men that I've known over the years through work that are just awesome guys, and they're the kind of salt of the earth kind of dudes that are accused of being the oppressors and keeping all of us ladies down and I just do not see that at all. So mm, okay. that's okay. my personal opinion. How about you? What about your history and, and personal experiences with the guys? Sure, sure. So before I get into that I just have a quick question for you. So you oh, sure. have never um you know, throughout your life you've never really um identified as a feminist. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. <laughs> never. Okay. Got it. I was never, I wasn't like super anti-feminist until just, oh gosh, maybe the last four years or so. I don't remember when exactly I started, <laughs> I started getting anti-feminist, but I know it was mm-hmm. before I got pregnant with my son. Um, mm. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. And what was it that... Um, caused you to be more anti-feminist? Was there something that happened? I don't remember an exact moment, but I know that I started uh, doing some link hopping on the Internet, you know, and I kept coming up to um, sites that deal with men's rights activists. And, Mm, yeah, I started reading more about issues facing men and that's when I started um, really thinking about feminism a lot more 
and then I kind of became more and more anti-feminist as I learned more and more. Um, Before that, you know, I was just a regular old wife. Um, Didn't think a whole lot about it. Just enjoyed doing things my own way. (laughs) Didn't worry about the gender stuff. Um, So, yeah, I don't remember a specific moment, but I, I do remember learning that stuff and it solidifying my initial inclinations. Got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Now, how about you? So for me, um, when I was in high school and Mm -hmm. especially in my early twenties, I was definitely identified as a, a feminist and I also identified as a liberal very strongly. Um, and it's funny because I kind of uh, started learning from things from a economics and, and finance point of view um, mm-hmm. because I went to school for uh, finance and I was working in the I still work in the financial services industry and I kind of fell down that rabbit hole first right where mm-hmm. I learned more and more about the economy and the way that money works and the way that the banking system works and I um, really discovered capitalism and libertarianism from that point of view. So once I started learning about things from more of a libertarian point of view, that's when I started to get more into the, the social issues side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that I probably still consider myself a feminist in the terms of a uh, first wave feminist, mm-hmm. but um, modern feminism, I don't see much there that I agree with or um, can really align myself with. And I think that it's become more of a movement to punish men for perceived, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of, perceived uh, injustices, injustices. <laughs> yes. yeah. perceived in- injustices and um, how they've suppressed women in the past. And Mm -hmm. I don't believe in the whole idea of, you know, punishing someone for their father's sins, you know? No. I don't think that that's fair. And so I have a really big problem with modern feminism and modern feminists. Yes. Um, So I would say that I I no longer, you know, if if asked um, about feminism, um, I will happily say that I think that all people are and should be treated equally. Um, We, you know, there's no race or gender is superior to the other, but I think that we've achieved equality. I don't think that there's anything in our modern society that are keeping women from pursuing the same opportunities that men do. If they don't, it is their choice. Um, I was a teenage mom. Um, I became a mom when I was 16. I've been a single mom since then. I've managed to graduate from high school, go to college, get a bachelor's degree, have a very rewarding career in a very uh, male-dominated, very competitive industry, and I do what I want. (laughs) 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 And no one stops me from doing it. Oh, come on. You had to... I do what I want. <laughs> okay, so so what man, what member of the patriarchy did you bribe uh, to allow you to do all of those things? <laughs> it's 
definitely not been any bribing. So I've definitely been broke for a really long time doing all those things. Um, you know, my, my parents definitely have helped me out along the way. But uh-huh. I also did a lot of things by myself. And I never once was, was told that I couldn't do something because of my gender. And I just yeah. don't think that that happens in our country today. And if you're keeping yourself from doing something because you believe that society expects you to do something differently, then that's a personal issue that you need to get yeah, over. Yeah, that's kind of your problem. See, that's – okay, so that's kind of where I came from the whole issue. I've always been an individualist. Um, I was able to put a name to it in my – Oh gosh! I guess I was 19 when uh, a very an extremely liberal boyfriend <laughs> introduced me to Ayn Rand. Ayn, ironically enough, so That's I've funny. always been into individual rights, and I've never been attracted to these collectivist movements, which is why I think feminism was never really on the radar for me. Um, mm. So, got yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, so, neither of us have been unduly oppressed. That's good. Yeah, that is good. And, <laughs> you know, I have to say that I'm, I'm very, very grateful for mm-hmm. uh, early feminists for uh, pushing forward equality for women and for all people. Um, all right. So, before we get too into the topics today, I did want to talk a little bit about that and kind of pay homage to those women that have brought us to the point that we are today where we do have the choice to stay at home with our kids, you know, um, marry someone that has similar values to us that will allow us to stay at home with our children if we so choose, or, you know, get a college education, go into the workforce, pursue a career. Um, You know, there's so many opportunities that are available to us because of these early uh, feminists. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Feminism is defined as a a range of political movements, ideologies, or social movements that share a common goal to define, establish, and achieve political, economic, personal, and social rights for women. Um, And this includes, you know, women being able to seek equal opportunities in education and employment. Mm -hmm. And globally, um, women's suffrage really began, began to... Um, pick up steam in the 19th century, in the end of the 19th century, early 20th century. Um, and many Western countries, Australia, Britain, the U.S., of course, um, women began to really fight for their right to own property, enter into contracts, and vote, mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. Those were the big areas where they saw that they did not have those rights. And um, if they didn't have a man there supporting them, um, you know, purchasing property for them, entering into contracts on their behalf, then they were really um, kind of forced to live a life of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to, you know, property rights is such a huge part of this and having the right to vote is such a huge part of it as well. But being able to own property and enter into contracts is huge in terms of opening up the world of opportunities for us, right? Yes, and it's instrumental oh. in our right to pursue our own happiness and our own values. Uh, yeah, those, those are absolutely crucial um, individual rights 
every person should have, and every person can have without um, trampling on the rights of another. So, yeah, those are totally appropriate goals, and I'm so glad we have those today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, In the U.S., particularly in 1919, that's when the 19th Amendment was passed. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, gave women the vote to the right to vote in all states. All right. um, and the interesting thing in terms of women's suffrage in the United States is that it was really born out of the civil rights movement um, and the abolition of slavery. Um, a lot of the women that vote for, uh, fought for women's rights to vote also under the same um, set of values and morals of, of equality um, also fought for, fought for slaves to be, um, or slavery to be abolished. So in the United States, um, by the mid-20th century, really what we saw was that under the Constitution, under our government, um, all people were really given equal rights, um, equal opportunities to pursue what they wanted to pursue. And um, since then, it's kind of been... Um, moving from that first wave feminist movement um, into a second wave of feminism where they started to begin to try to change societal norms, right? Mm-hmm. They were granted these, these rights. They were equals under the law. Um, but in many ways, society still didn't see men and women as equal, right? Right. So this is going to be the feminism of the 60s and 70s, um, the free love movement, um, the independent women becoming more and more um, accepted, right? Mm -hmm. Now, feminism today is considered third wave feminism. And feminism today really... um, Has jumped the shark. (laughs) Yes, so they've kind of moved from trying to establish themselves as equals under the law Mm -hmm. and in society to trying to say that there is absolutely no difference between the genders. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, you know, taking that vision of the independent woman to the extreme in terms of don't get married, don't have Mm -hmm. kids, Pursue, mm-hmm. you know, sleep with as many men as you want to sleep with. Um, being called a slut is, is good. And, mm-hmm. you know, being fat is your good. Career. That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't stay healthy. Don't exercise because, because fat is good. And, mm-hmm. you know, just chase after your career. Yes. And I think that there's a lot of issues with that. Mm-hmm. And to counter that third wave of feminism, there's also a movement today called post-feminism, um, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, I really think that among women is probably 50-50, or even yeah. smaller than that in terms of these radical feminists. But I think yeah. 50-50, about half of women are in this, in this point where they say, you know what, we're not anti-feminist, you know, uh, we're still for feminism and equality, but we achieve those goals. You know, yeah. we're done being victims. We're survivors mm-hmm. now. We're ready to move on to the next part of our lives. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, those, those two will make a lot more sense. So, like, second wave, I think, 
we could debate about good parts and bad parts of that. I know that, what, maybe up until sometime in the 60s, women couldn't even get birth control until they had... I, I'm not sure. I, you know what? I don't want to say the date on that because I'm not sure. But I know that for a long time, women could not get birth control without, like, a note from their husbands. <laughs> Crazy. So, yeah. Um, and then, like, oh, gosh, I... I Man, I wish I had thought about this before we started the show. I would have looked it up. But I know that also for a long time there was some issues in women being able to open their own bank accounts and credit cards and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think there's some good stuff that probably happened in the second wave. But yeah, I mean, there was, a, there was, you know, that, that idea of there's a big change that's happened in terms of the laws. Right. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. society really needed to adjust to that. And that's what was happening in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Uh, there's also, that's also when it kind of started to go off the rails, though, with a lot of the leading feminists really starting to bash men. Um, what was it? I think it was Andrea Dworkin that said all mm-hmm. um, heterosexual sex is rape. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> have some like interesting that. things to say. Yeah, the um, the scum manifesto, the suggestions that we need to start killing lots of men, um, all, all kinds well, of things you, like that. Also. Now you have people like Lena Dunham taking that to the next level, basically calling oh, for a genocide of all white men and making songs about it. Yeah, uh, which is so very charming, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's really <laughs> sick. It's definitely <laughs> sick. So, yeah. you know, we've we've come out of women being um, victims of suppression, right, mm-hmm. not survivors. And it seems now like these feminists are trying to not suppress men. And, mm-hmm. Jenny, you have some interesting statistics that you looked up on um, some of the issues that men are facing today. Yes. Um, so when we ask the question whether or not feminism in, is necessary, um, let me just take several minutes and uh, just list some facts, and after that we can probably decide. Okay. So we're talking about legal rights first, um, and first-wave fem- feminism really achieved um, equality under the Constitution. Uh, socially, it had a while to go, but men <clears throat> actually still have a couple of um, legal issues in which they are not equal to women. So. The two that really concern me um, are actually most most applied to young men. So first of all, routine infant circumcision. Um, a lot of people, and I know, I know a lot of people might not even think of this as an issue, um, but just consider the fact that it is illegal uh, to circumcise a baby girl. Um, and I'm not really going to get into the gory details, but there's a few different types of female circumcision, um, and one of them is analogous to male circumcision, and the female circumcision is absolutely illegal in the United States. Um, It's considered a barbaric practice. Uh, Essentially, you're taking the autonomy um, away from from the baby. It's a... a, um, Shoot, I've lost the word. It's a cosmetic surgery, um, and you're not really supposed to inflict that on a person who can't, who hasn't given consent. 
Um, absolutely so, illegal for females. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so just to be clear, so the, the purpose of a male circumcision um, mm-hmm. supposedly is for um, helping to prevent infections, right, and right. to promote cleanliness. So there mm-hmm. is a, a type of female circumcision that would essentially do the same thing, maybe prevent yeast infections in women and urinary tract infections and things like that. Well, they don't ever give um, that. I, I meant analogous in terms of the functions and the organs that it takes away. So, oh, like, okay. there is a type of female circumcision that removes only essentially what would be the foreskin in the man. Um, they don't really give that justification for it. It's a it's a cultural justification, right? Mm, okay. um, and in the United States, it was always cultural, too, until – and I, <laughs> we could really do a whole show on this. Um, yeah, at some point, they started uh, floating the hygiene uh, reason, which is completely not true, um, that all of the human body is there for a purpose, and we can the, – the male body can self-clean just as well as the female body can, and as well – Infections in, in females can be treated by antibiotics, same thing with males. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, that's just one thing that is routinely done for boys, absolutely illegal for girls. <clears throat> um, the second thing is that all men are required to register for the select service when they turn 18. Um, girls are not required to. I believe they can, um, but they are not required to, and that is directly tied to the right to vote. Um, so those are two legal issues in which men um, are actually worse off than women. Oh, if men don't sign up for this, like a service, their their right to vote is taken away from them. Right, exactly. Got it. Okay. Now, I know <laughs> that you and I were talking a little bit about before the show about how um, a lot of people are trying to change that where, mm-hmm. you know, women would be required to sign up for selective service as well. Um, when they talk about that, do they also talk about taking away the right to vote for women that don't sign up for that? I don't know. Um, they kind of that effort was kind of um, a result of allowing women to be in combat units in the military, mm-hmm. and so the the logical consequence of that would be that women were now required to register for the selective service also. Oh, okay. And the effort got killed, and I can't remember. I don't really know why. Um, so well, I don't know it's, story a, on it's a horrible thing anyways, you know, to force anyone to sign up to serve in the military. I think it's a direct violation of their, their individual rights anyways. Oh, yeah, totally. And that was always my problem with it. it like They were like, oh, the logical consequence of allowing women in combat roles is to uh, force them to sign up for the draft. And the whole time I'm thinking, no. <laughs> the logical thing, the rights-respecting thing to do would be to remove the requirement for the draft for anyone. Exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> there's, you know, nobody's really fighting for that, uh, as far as I know, um, on the behalf of men. So <clears throat> now I have a number of statistics here <laughs> that just illustrates just a lot of areas of life and how they're divided by gender. Do you want me to go ahead and just go through the list? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's hear about them. 
Okay, so I have a couple of um, statistics on how crime is treated differently uh, based on whether the criminal is a male or female. Um, so this is from deathpenaltyinfo.org. As of January 1st, 2016, uh, there are 2,943 people on death row in the United States. Mm-hmm. 55 of those people are women. That's 1.87% of the total death row population is women. That's, that's less than okay. 2%. Okay. Now, hold on, though. Hold on, though, because I know, like, you know, men are supposedly more violent than women. So taking those statistics into context, I mean, are we comparing, you know, like crimes? Are we comparing, you know, what is the rate of violence for women versus men? Oh, dude, I didn't look that up. (laughs) (laughs) That would be interesting to hear, but you you did, you did um, look up the rates of crime, right? In terms of sentences. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, gosh, I think men commit more homicides than women. But Mm -hmm. anyway, um, so as far as for crimes, average sentences for the same crime under similar circumstances, such as robbing someone at gunpoint or, you know, attacking someone with a knife, uh, women get 18 and a half months for their sentence right? Men Mm -hmm. get 51 and a half months for the same crime. Wow. That's a little bit of a difference, don't you think? That's a huge difference. Man, uh, sometime we should really attack um, the different rates of different crimes because I know that a lot of feminist uh, supported statistics as far as who commits domestic violence um, and who commits rapes is extremely misleading and they're a lot more um, equal than a lot of people think. Right. I I didn't get to that. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. I was just curious. It popped into my mind. Uh, Okay. Um, All right. So maybe we need to do multiple episodes on feminism. Anyway. Yeah, I think we do. I, I, I did, um, you know, I did look up some statistics real quick while you were um, talking, and I do see here that, um, so it says here that males were convicted of the vast majority of homicides in the U.S., representing 90.5% of the total number of offenders. Wow. Um, white females of all ages have the lowest conviction rates of any racial or age group. Mm-hmm. Of children under age five killed by a parent, the rate for biological father conviction, that doesn't mean um, perpetrator, was higher than for biological mothers. Mm -hmm. However, of children under five killed by someone other than their parent, 80% of the people that were convicted were males. Um, It does say that victimization, yeah, other than a parent, if it was someone other than a parent. Yeah. Okay. Um, victimization rates for both males and females have been relatively stable since 2000. Men are more likely to be murder victims. Um, and then females are more likely to be victims of domestic homicides and sex-related homicides. So that, you know, that does make some okay. sense there. Okay. All right, cool. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, that answers the crime question. So, guys... Stop killing. We know every single one of you <laughs> would be 
<laughs> a murderer if you could be. I'm joking, of course. Um, all right. So uh, next thing I have is um, workplace stuff, and we have a little bit of gender pay gap. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about the gender pay gap just to lead us into this um, subject? Sure. Um, so one of the issues that constantly gets brought up when it comes to the discussion around feminism is the whole gender wage gap. Um, and according to statistics, for every dollar that a man makes, a woman makes 79 cents on that dollar. Now, one of the things that isn't really taken into account when these statistics are looked at is the Number one, the ways in which, in which men and women choose their careers and what type of careers they choose. And number two, once they're in the careers, um, the number of hours that they work and the amount of time taken off, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So women, for the most part, take jobs. You know, men and women, as much as third-way feminists don't want to realize this or admit this, do have some biological differences, and we're built in different ways, right? Um, right. Most men are more competitive. Um, they're also, their brains work in a better way in terms of engineering, um, in terms of math, in terms of science. They're usually stronger in those fields. Women are typically more creative. We're more empathetic. We're typically going to be drawn towards social work, nursing, uh, fields where we're taking care of other people. Um, and when you look at the wages for those different types of careers, the careers that women take typically do pay less than the, the careers that men pick. Um, so, ladies, if you want to make more money, don't go to school to be a teacher. Go to school to be a freaking engineer. Again, it's a matter of choice, you know? Yes. Yeah. The other thing that you need to take into consideration when you think about the – wage gap, um, supposed wage gap, is that women typically work less hours than men. They're typically less willing to travel versus men. And most women do take time off in their uh, 30s and 40s to stay home with their children. And so once they go back into the, um, the, uh, their industry or whatever, uh, they are behind people that mm -hmm. did not take that time off. Um, so the real there is actually a wage gap, um, but it is much smaller than what's publicized, and the wage gap between men and women is typically around five cents. <laughs> um, <clears throat> wow, that's underwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and again, you have to also take into consideration that um, <laughs> there are biological differences between men and women. And I think that men are more willing to go to their boss and ask for a raise. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of women are um, much more concerned with being asshole and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, liked. And maybe that's something to really try to uh, – that maybe women should try to really challenge themselves on um, if – that is a concern for them, but I don't think it's evidence of a huge systemic sexist problem. Um, no, and it's the, not the, something that the government needs to get involved in. It, it comes down to choice. 
And it comes down to saying, you know, if I think I deserve to be paid more, then I need to go mm-hmm. to my boss and take personal responsibility for that and ask for more money. Right. And so I have a lot of uh, numbers here that kind of talk about, they tell a picture, they tell a story um, about the labor force in the United States. And one of the, one of the statistics is, um, these are all from the U.S. Department of Labor, by the way. So one thing uh, that women never mention is the workplace fatality gap. Mm. <laughs> so men make up 92% of workplace fatalities. Is wow. that is that huge? Yeah, that's huge or what? And, you know, that is... Well, you are like, far more likely to be killed in an, on an oil rig in the middle of an ocean, yeah. right, than in mm-hmm. a classroom. Or in a mine, yeah. So, mine. so let's talk a little bit about the type of jobs that, um, that are particularly staffed by men. It seems like feminists are mostly concerned about the corner office jobs that are mostly staffed mm-hmm. by men, but I've got here um, a lot of stuff that... Most people, most women especially, and I think a lot of people in uh, white-collar positions don't ever think about, and that is infrastructure and what it takes to run the type of civilization that we have in the United States. So, first of all, power plant operators, distributors, and dispatchers are 100% male workers. Oh, my God, 100%? A hundred percent. So there may be some women in there, but not even enough to make up one percent. But there 1%. may be a fraction of percent. Wow. There, okay. there may be. Okay. So electrical engineers, 91 percent men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Power line installers and maintenance workers, very important, right? 97.6 percent men. And that's also a very dangerous job. Very dangerous. And you'll, that's what you'll notice on this list. A lot of these are very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather, so, oh, fun fact, my ahead. grandfather was a uh, power line guy. I don't know. Oh, you're the lineman? Term for it. Yes. Very and cool. he was struck by lightning. Oh, no. And survived. Did he? Oh, he died. That's <laughs> of good. Course. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he survived. <laughs> that's good. But yeah, oh, yeah he was actually electrocuted twice in his life and is still oh. alive and kicking. Oh, hey, that's awesome. Good job, Chris yeah. and Grandpa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so most of my family, as you know, are electricians, and uh, so they work with electricity also. How many men are in this? How many women are in this field? I haven't actually met any. Um, they, yeah, they, get, they have been minorly shocked as well. Thankfully, none of them have yeah. died. But you can. Yeah, these are really, these are dangerous professions. And it's also, I would say... Yeah, they're dangerous. They're also, um, I would say, I mean, I don't think they're boring for the people that are doing them. I certainly think they're crucial. But, I, I mean, I find a lot of the technical stuff to be kind of boring, you know, just just mm-hmm. for me. I would rather be reading about some social issue or philosophy or history. I, I'm not interested in how electricity works. I'm just not. Yeah, I can't say I've ever been interested in that, too. But I love electricity. I'm, I'm so yes. happy for it. I love electricity as well. <laughs> All right, so moving along. Um, <laughs> water and liquid waste treatment plant workers. So the people that are making sure we have clean water, 95.5% men. Thank you, guys, right? 
Yeah, I think they definitely don't want to be working in one of those places. No, and I definitely freely love clean water as well. Um, yeah. Modern plumbing is amazing. Uh, it's just great. Okay, um, yeah. aircraft pilot and flight engineers, 95.9% men. Um, aircraft mechanics and service techs, 98.4% men. Uh, locomotive engineers and operators, 100% men. Um, railway yard masters, 94.4% men. Um, radio and telecommunications installers and repair techs, 94.2% men. Very important for our standard of life today. Um, HVAC and refrigeration mechanics, 98.4% men. <laughs> Garbage collectors, 93.4% men. So you can see just the fabric of the basic, the, just, just the way our lives run. You know, the standard yeah, of living is, that we have now. These are jobs that are crucial to day-to-day living. Mm-hmm. And you know, women like don't if, want to do them. Yeah, if if men decide not to show up to their job as a electrical engineer one day, we don't have <laughs> electricity. Yeah, if, uh, if they decide not to go and fix the power line, we are out of luck. Um, if they here if in these Texas, pilots if decide not to show up, we can't travel. <laughs> no, we can't travel. Same for the for the locomotive uh, engineers and operators. You know, and now that I'm thinking about it, I think I know a lot of people in these fields. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. so yeah, police and patrol officers, eighty-seven point four percent men. You know, firefighters, ninety-six point six percent men. It's all, yeah. like, all these things are absolutely crucial. So we do not want the men to go on strike for even one day. Now, what about women, Kristen? I keep hearing about this women's strike day on, yeah. what, so March? I, I think March? it's next month, March 8th. We, we get a day off of work, Jenny. All right, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll just leave my son alone for the day. No big deal. Yeah, I mean, he can, he's like, he's like two now, he can definitely get along by himself. Yeah, no big deal. But no, seriously, like when, when they leave their jobs, is the infrastructure going to fall apart? I'm sorry for the phone ringing, by the way. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, no, it's, it's, it's a, it, it sounds like, you know, if, if we were to have a day without men, then we probably wouldn't have electricity. We probably wouldn't have phones. We probably wouldn't be able to travel. We probably wouldn't be able to, you know, just go about our lives in the comfort and convenience that we're used to because Mm -hmm. there would be maybe five or six people doing these jobs, right, and they'd all be women. (laughs) Right, right. And, you know, I'm not saying that women don't do any important jobs because women are, you know, most of the nurses and teachers are women, Um, you know, there are a lot of important jobs that women do, of course. Um, and I'm not saying that women can't do these jobs, but let's just, you know, let's be objective about this when we're talking about inequality in the workplace and the need for a revolution here. You know, these are, these are really dirty jobs. A lot of them are really dangerous. Um, a lot of them don't cater to what most women are interested in or good at, you know, so Maybe let's just live and let live. What guys are willing to do these jobs, or they they're drawn to these jobs, they like them, or or maybe they're just willing to to put themselves in that kind of danger. 
uh, I didn't get statistics on mining. That is a really dangerous job. That, that would be interesting dangerous. to know. Uh, I bet that's close to 100%, guys. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that's that's another area of daily life. Um, so just to, just to kind of clarify, Jenny, because I'm sure that this is going to be one of those things that people are going to hear, and they're going to be very emotionally reactive to it. You mm-hmm. are not suggesting that if women were to take if all women in America were to take a day off of work, that it, it, it would disrupt our way of living, you know, especially if yeah. we're thinking about the service industries and the social work and the healthcare industries that would happen. You know, we do yeah. want our doctor's offices open. We do want our hospitals open. We do want our schools open. Um, but women need to understand and, and, and think a little bit about which, what is the purpose or the reasoning behind it? Mm-hmm. Because, there is inequality in terms of the workforce. And, yes, there is that five-cent wage gap, but there's also, as you've illustrated, a huge gap in terms of the type of risk and danger that a lot of men are putting themselves into to provide for themselves and their families and our country as a whole um, that we're not talking about and that, like, why aren't men talking about this? You know, I, I think that men, um, why aren't men talking about this? I think that men tend to see it as they should see it. Like, this is an individual contract between myself and my employer. I'm willing to do this work um, for this amount of money, and it's not really anybody else's business. You know, I think that if men had a big problem with the danger in their job, they would probably, most of them would probably quit and find something else to do. That's. Do you think it's also a societal norm that men should take on these more dangerous jobs? Um, I don't know. Um, I would say, to be honest, I'd never even considered the, that type of job when I was thinking about jobs to do, you know, anytime I needed a job, I never thought, oh, hey, maybe I should go apply at the garbage, uh, you know, collection facility, you know, things like that. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe it, maybe it is um, something. I, I think that, oh, gosh, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> No, I like, mean, I would never consider working any of those jobs. When, I, when it came to choosing my career, it was, you know, I, I worked in retail for a while at a grocery store, and then I moved into bookkeeping, and then I moved into, I was a bank teller for a long time, mm-hmm. and I worked in banking for a long time, and now I'm in finance. And yeah. so I've always had pretty nice, decent, air-conditioned, comfy jobs. I've, I've never yeah. really felt in any real danger in any of my jobs. Yeah, um, same here. Like, my my work background is primarily admin stuff, you know, at a construction com- company, granted. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a bank teller for a while, and I've done a ton of child care. So all those things. And, you know, maybe it's because deep down we really do know um, what kind of toll these jobs take. I mean, mm-hmm. 
of like I I know like I see my husband come home dirty and sweaty and, <laughs> and tired and and I don't yeah do I really don't want to get dirty and sweaty at work either <laughs> no <laughs> and I, I don't think a lot of <laughs> I don't think a lot of women do you know yeah and yeah I don't think really that probably a lot of men really want to. Um, but I do think that they see it as a great opportunity, not only in terms of making more money for their families. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these are typically jobs that are, are high in demand and they pay well um, because mm-hmm. they are dangerous, right? Um, right. And, and they're also very they, technical, a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. And so they don't mind going and, and getting their hands dirty to, you know, make more money and be able to provide more for the people that they care about. Um, you know Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. So it's just going to bring that back down again to personal choice. You know, ladies, mm-hmm. if, if you want to make more money, there's opportunities to do that. Learn a trade. Yeah. Yeah. And there are trades that are more, um, you know, that aren't quite so physically demanding. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, like you, you can make the money in those trades. I, and I know how much money you can make in those trades and I still don't want to do it. It's just I had it in my alley. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, I know. So, right. I don't I don't want to play with electricity. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I don't want to dig, dig a ditch. So I think I think it's partially that they're willing to do those things, but I also think, you know, just knowing a lot of these guys, I think that a lot of them, you know, don't want to be at a desk. You know? Uh, now, now, ladies, yeah. like we, <clears throat> we might want to be at a desk, right? And and a lot of guys too, but there's a lot of them that would hate having to work in an office every single day, and that mm-hmm. kind of like that I can tie to what they're calling, what people are calling, the boy crisis. You've heard about that, what right? Is, what is the boy crisis? So the boy crisis is made up of a few um, different trends that people are starting to notice. Um, One of them is that boys are twice as likely to be diagnosed for ADHD as girls. Mm -hmm. Um, Boys are dropping out of school. Uh, Boys' grades are suffering really bad. Boys uh, commit suicide uh, four times higher than girls their rate is. Um, More girls than boys are in college now, you know, there's a lot of boys that are kind of, they're calling it failure to launch, I guess, and kind of living at home, you know, not not really launching into independent adulthood. So um, a lot of the school stuff, and this is just a theory, um, but they're saying a lot of the way that our school system is structured is just not boy-friendly, right? So, like, hmm. they're expected to sit... Um, still in a classroom, listen, be quiet, you know, not fidget, those kinds of things. And and there's a thought that uh, that's leading to a lot of the um, lagging performance by boys because it's really girl-oriented. Girls are a lot more likely to perform well in those kinds of circumstances, whereas boys um, tend to perform better when they're allowed to move around, you know, things like that. So I, I don't know maybe part of the whole employment thing and boy failure is all just kind of, maybe it's a consequence of the way male biology tends to be action oriented, you know, maybe that's that's something worth checking out. And 
again, yeah. like this may get a really emotional uh, response. I'm not saying that all men are um, are oriented that way or that all women are oriented to be quiet and sit down and learn by listening. I'm not saying that at all, but I, I do think there's probably biological tendencies and uh, it's okay to honor those. So is this a, this is a recent trend, of course, that they're seeing. So are they predicting out how that's going to affect some of the industries that we just talked about that are typically male-dominated? I have not seen anything like that, and I, mm. I don't know. Um, the the industries, if you ever follow Mike Rowe, he's a really interesting guy on trade. He, he doesn't talk about he gender is. politics, but um, he, he talks about trade as really kind of being an open, you know, an open shot right now because there's, they're missing a lot of people. A lot of the industries mm-hmm. have shortages. You can, you can get certified and you can go get a high paying job. Let's see. What was it? There's stuff in Dakota, um, in the oil fields in Dakota, like people making like a hundred thousand dollars a year or more. They don't, they, they just got an 18 yeah. month certification. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the, um, and this is a whole other topic, but you talk about the student loan crisis, right? Here is a very easy way to not get into huge amounts of student loan debt and still have a very good, well-paying job. It's going to be a more dangerous job, (laughs) but it is a good job. Yeah, and you know, if you're if you're oriented that way, it might be more satisfying. Yeah, you know, maybe that is all kind of related to a devaluing of traditional male uh, pursuits. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know something something worth checking out. I think, but in any case, yeah. So that's kind of a a more full, uh, broad picture of employment in the United States, I think, than you typically get from modern day feminists who just cry about the supposedly huge wage gap. Right, right. No, absolutely. That's a great point. Great point. So, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, no. And I was going to say there's a lot more um, interesting topics that we could get on in terms of um, some of the main issues in in feminism. Did you have any other statistics that you wanted to go over? Um, Just just a few, because I know that, that took up a lot of time. Um, I wanted to talk just a little bit about basic life expectancy. So women's life expectancy mm-hmm. is 81.2 years in the United States. Men's life expectancy is 76.4. That's, uh, that's from 2012. So, and, um, and that difference is probably directly related to what we just talked about, right? Men have a tendency to take on more dangerous activities and, and jobs and careers and pursuits. Yeah, probably so. Um, men are more likely to do risky things, you know, that probably lead to a shortening of their lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I'm not necessarily saying that that is, you know, something that needs to be corrected because these jobs have to get done, right? And these, and right. men doing these jobs are certainly not slaves and they accept the risks. But I do think that um, when we're looking at whether we need feminism or not, let's go ahead and look at, at how things are going. I mean, look, we get we get about four years more of life expectancy, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're not we're not being killed off early, so right. the the casualties in war. Men make up ninety nine point nine percent. Men make up eighty percent of suicides. 
men are 77% of uh, homicide victims, and men are vastly more likely to become homeless. So there's an, I mean, you, you don't have exact statistics on this, but the estimate um, for, for men's homelessness, so men are probably between 60 to 80% of the homeless population. Wow. Um, yes, yeah, 75% of the chronically homeless are probably men. So, so those are just a few conditions that we ladies are not, we're vastly less likely to experience just because we're women. So when we're crying about being oppressed here in the United States of America where we can, we're more likely to go to college and have a cushy air-conditioned job and get to stay home with our kids and, and all those lovely things that make up a really nice life, let's kind of get a bit of perspective, you know? Right, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that white male privilege, <laughs> the male privilege. Yeah. Uh, well, and another thing to talk about, too, you know, we there's a lot of um, <clears throat> information out there in terms of domestic violence, and, you know, women, of course, are more likely to become victims of domestic violence, Mm -hmm. Um, but the discrepancy there is not quite as huge as you think, and there's actually a lot more resources out there for women who are victims of this type of violence versus men. I believe there's only one shelter in the entire United States that's a domestic violence shelter for men. Yes. (laughs) Isn't that insane? Oh, here's something interesting. I don't have it in front of me, but um, Erin Pizzi, I think she's in the U.K., she got. She tried to open a men's um, a men's shelter in the UK. Mm-hmm. She got death threats. Her family got threatened, and I think they killed her dog from feminists. What? Just, That's because, crazy. just for try- I know. Just for trying to offer help to men in bad situations. So that is crazy. I know, and that that is what makes me so anti third wave feminism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. There are all kinds of things like that. They don't get a ton of press, but that uh, the National Organization um, for Women opposes shared custody, it, that's just insane to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think fathers should have any custody at all. So, yeah. That is really a of, crazy. A lot of nonsense going on there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, this whole conversation brings me um, to, you know, where do we go now, right? So uh, we've kind of made the argument that feminism, of course, is necessary um, mm-hmm. for women to have equal rights under the law. Mm-hmm. It was probably also necessary in the 60s and 70s to make it uh, more acceptable in society for women to be seen mm-hmm. as equal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but today, you know, where, where's, the, where's the place for it? There might not be one. Um, <clears throat> there is a woman that I have a lot of respect for, and her name is Wendy McElroy, and she considers herself an individualist feminist. Um, she's a libertarian. And I think this quote from her really kind of sums up where we are today. Um, and she says that the great truth is that women in our society constitute one of the most privileged and powerful classes of human beings on earth. The challenge is to make women believe in their power. 
Woman as a victim is an idea whose time has passed. The idea of woman as a survivor and a success must take its place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really great great um, idea. <laughs> I think it's awesome. How do we how do we begin to do that though? When the narrative of being <clears throat> a victim is so attractive for some reason, I I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, she she talks a lot about the differences between um, radical feminism and individualism, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And radical feminism um, really has a lot of ties to Marxism. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it, it makes – so basically what she says is that um, <clears throat> radical feminism incorporates socialist ideas like surplus labor, where one class is said to use the free market in order to commit economic theft among an, upon another class, right? So mm-hmm. housework, for example. Uh, women supposedly do more housework. And so men are our oppressors in that, in that situation, and men, or women are the victims because we do more housework. Right. You, you know, um, it's interesting. I'm sorry. Just just a little mm-hmm. side note. They never uh, include men's housework, and when they're figuring up those hours for those comparisons, like doing the dishes yeah, counts, what, but mowing the lawn doesn't count. Anyway, go you ahead. Know, that's with the thing you. that drives me crazy too. It's like not all men are married or in you know relationships with women that they live with. Do they just <laughs> yeah. like not eat at home, and do they just live in a cell? Like, is that what's happening in those situations? Because I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure they do have to clean as well. No, I don't think they do. <laughs> don't you know that all men get issued a maid by the patriarchy? Uh, anyway, I'm sorry for that what? side track, but it's just, I need one of no, those. No, not fair, right? <laughs> Oh my yeah, definitely. So she she talks about the fact that in that type of a, a theory, um, the classification of being a man becomes so significant that it predicts and determines how the individuals within that class will behave, right? And so we mm-hmm. definitely see that um, we definitely see that being portrayed in the whole idea of there being a rape culture. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all men are rapists and men need to oh, be taught not, not to rape, right? Yeah, and that's so offensive. And we could take an entire episode and more probably to talk about that particular pervasive idea. Yes, yeah, we definitely could. <laughs> and um, if, if our listeners want to learn more about rape culture and whether or not it exists in America, uh, Wendy McElroy actually debated Jessica Valenti on this issue and made some pretty good arguments. Definitely a good yeah. debate to listen to. Um, so Wendy argues here basically that we need to kind of throw off um, the socialist theories that have really become pervasive in feminism and really take more of an individual look at it um, where, you know, it's not about the oppressor versus the oppressed. Um, it, it becomes more about, you know, what can you offer in terms of your value and, um, you know, taking respons- personal responsibility for where you are mm-hmm. um, and not assuming that all men are the enemy, right? 
Right. Uh, right. A, a man is only the enemy if he, as an individual, mm-hmm. uh, decides that he wants to use, you know, violence against you or uh, some type of political or economic means to oppress you. Um, mm-hmm. Simply existing isn't him doing that because you no. have. Yeah, you, you're equal in terms of your, your role in society and your opportunities. Um, no one can actually physically keep you from, from doing things, right? If you apply to go to college, no man is going to say, no, you can't go to college because you're a woman. If you apply for a job, um, <laughs> you know, the law requires that you not be not considered for that job because of your gender, Right. So there are already those protections in place. Um, Mm -hmm. Stop pretending that you're a victim and start taking personal responsibility for your choices. And if you want to make more money or if you feel like you're being harassed by a certain person, you know, remove that person from your life. Um, (laughs) You know, don't associate with that person. Ask your your boss for a raise. Uh, Choose a different industry maybe that maybe has a – you know, better opportunities for increased salary. It's pretty easy to go online and figure out what industries those are. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the nice thing is that a lot of those jobs that we mentioned uh, in what they call it, what is it? It's STEM. I can never remember exactly what the acronym is, but it's basically technical science, mathematics stuff. Um, They actually, a lot of those companies will preferentially hire women because there are so few women there. So, yeah. yeah. So there are actually, at this point in time, more opportunities for women than men to get into yeah. those fields. <laughs> yes. If you are inclined to it and you are good at it, I would say anybody should check that out. But yeah, so essentially what Wendy McElroy is, is preaching is individual rights. We're mm-hmm. all for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so, and I'm that's... just looking here. I, I posted this article on our Facebook page, uh, mm-hmm. Two Plant Girls Talking on Facebook. Um, Wendy McElroy wrote a really great article um, called, what is this article called? <laughs> I just had it up. <laughs> the Really Great Article by Wendy McElroy. A really great one. Yeah, individualism: a new form, a new view of feminism. So, a link to that article is uh, posted on our Facebook page if you want to read about it. Very so. interesting stuff. Yeah, very very interesting. And that's the primary. That's okay. I mean, we get past all of the nitpicky things. Well, not they're not really nitpicky. All of the individual, uh, concrete things about feminism, modern day feminism that I don't like. And the main thing I don't like about it <clears throat> is its nature is collectivist. Mm-hmm. And and also, oh, so if you guys want another really great podcast to listen to, I highly recommend Euron Brook um, oh, yeah. at the Euron the Brook show. So he was talking about, um, I was catching up on the last few weeks of podcasts, and he mentioned nihilism. And this podcast that he was doing is totally not connected to feminism at all. 
Um, but when he was talking about what nihilism is, I immediately thought of feminism. And he says, nihilism is the worship of zero. They seek only to knock things down. Um, they don't attempt to build values. And that, to me, really speaks to what modern-day feminism is. Only seeking to knock down the good stuff in society, um, the so-called privilege that men have, um, and, gosh, uh, other groups. They're, they're only seeking to tear those structures down. They're not seeking to put anything of value in its place. Um, they don't have right. a really great system in mind. Um, they say they're for liberation, but really they're just trying to get offended over every little thing they can. And they, uh, they have a term for that called microaggressions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, I, am, I, mean, I am, if, if you're, if you're a woman and you're really concerned about women's issues and that is something that just really speaks to you, mm-hmm. there are plenty of ways that you can help women globally to yes. achieve equality. Mm-hmm. But don't, men, don't consider American women as victims. We're not. Exactly. No, we're not. And it's, it's really kind of this very privileged stance to take, especially when you take a look at what's happening to women in other countries. Yeah. And your, at your, this point, your privilege is showing, ladies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Don't use that word, Kristen. No. <laughs> at this point, I really consider them to be pretty uh, immoral philosophically. Um, I think that the reason that we're alive is to seek the best possible life for ourselves, um, to, to serve our interests and, and attempt to make happiness and, and produce values. And feminism is not feminism is stuck in this. How can I prove that I'm a victim or I'm more a victim than you are? It's, it's totally, um, nonproductive. It's not going to get anywhere. And it's ridiculous at this point in time. Right. (laughs) And not only that, but the, the goal also seems to be how do I suppress my, my imagined oppressor? Right. Yes. Yes. How can I punish all these guys around me because I don't have the life that I want that's not right, the right exactly. they're not the right view to take now yeah i agree there are a lot of um places in the world where women do legitimately um not have legal rights that we were talking about that right. is, that's that's definitely something worth uh fighting for and worth bringing a lot yeah. of attention to but most Absolutely. of what i see is, is things like fighting against things like uh man spreading you know right that's, exactly and even within our own country there's sex trafficking you never hear yeah. what feminists talking about sex trafficking. That's a huge issue for women in our country, right? Mm-hmm. So there are definitely actual issues of substance that, you know, if you want to, you know, be a feminist and fight for women's rights and equality, um, there are actually important issues that you can support versus we don't want men spreading their legs too wide or we don't like being catcalled. Or, um, I don't know, we want to get paid to stay home and clean. It, it's kind oh. of ridiculous, and it really is we a need, very privileged point of view. We need paid time off every month for our periods. That one is research. Right. Oh, like, come on, ladies. You fought for your right to work. Now go and work as hard as you freaking can to show you deserve that right. Don't start <laughs> complaining and asking for time off for your freaking period. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Now, I knew uh, that brings so. us to the end of our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So did we did we adequately answer the question of do we is feminism necessary today? I think I think well, we can say not really, not not in the way that they think it is. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that we, and maybe our, our role isn't to answer that question. Um, mm-hmm. I think we brought up some really good information in terms of what we're actually dealing with today in terms of, in America specifically, are women being mm-hmm. oppressed? And I think that the very definitive answer to that is no, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely not by the system. The, uh, we're not discounting the fact that individual women may be in individual circumstances, but let's point out that those circumstances are actually against the law. They are not supported by the political process. They're, they're not supported by any of the social institutions. These are actual crimes. Right, um, or even the culture. The culture is not supporting even, that either. Yeah, the culture is not for that either. So, yeah. Yep. Perfect. All right. Well, any final thoughts? Anything you want to leave us to say, Jenny? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I said it all. <laughs> all right. Cool. Yeah, I mean, my, my final thought would be, yeah, for me, it's all about taking personal responsibility for where you are in your life and where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And you cannot blame another person because you have not achieved what you want to achieve. You know, take a look at where you want to go. Take a look at what you need to do to get there without violating someone else's rights in the process. Yeah, you can't, especially you can't just blame some poor anonymous dude just going off and who's just living his life, you know. He's not Mm -hmm. hurting you. Yeah. He's not. Right. Anyway. All right. All right. Well, thanks, Jenny. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks again for joining us today on Two Quiet Girls Talking. Uh, just a reminder to keep up with everything that we're doing. You can download and subscribe to our show on iTunes and leave us a five-star review, and that makes it easier for others to find us. You can also like and follow us on Facebook and share us with your friends and listen on Blog Talk Radio, CastBox, or Stitcher. We're looking forward to talking to you again in two weeks. Have a great day.